Welcome to the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast, a show dedicated to modern learning and development with your hosts, Daniel Mendoza and Scott Babcock. It's podcast day. Welcome to the show. This is If You Build It, Will They Learn. I'm Scott Babcock, and I'm with your co-host, Daniel Mendoza. Daniel, how are you this week? Doing well, Scott. Episode 30, we are in the home stretch of season one. I can't believe that. Uh, 30 plus episodes uh, in season one, but uh, happy to be. I'm really excited for today's episode. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that uh, when we started this little journey, we're like, oh, will we have seasons? Do you think we'll get like where we're going to go with this? So the fact that we're actually almost wrapping up a season and thinking about what the next one will look like and kind of some break time in there. uh, That's it's it's an interesting ride we've been on and and super fun. And I'm I'm hoping the audience is enjoying it as well. So uh, Today, we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts in content development, training design, platform usage, things like that. Uh, we want to give you just some real tangible things to either cling to in ways to bring your content to life and make it more impactful, or things to avoid if you uh, find yourself maybe hitting roadblocks or stumbling a little bit. We want to make sure you're able to kind of identify those as you're going into the planning phase. But we want to start with a quick question. As a learner, Daniel, I'll let you go first. When you think about e-learning and you've taken some e-learnings, obviously we build them uh, collectively within Halite, uh, maybe stuff you've seen elsewhere, but what's like a feature, a functionality piece, something like that, that has really impressed you or that's like your favorite thing you've seen in an e-learning? For me, it's it's well done and, and they can't just be, <clears throat> I'm not going to use the feature, just scenario based, um, like scenarios or sales scenarios that they have to be well done. If they can engage me and make them feel realistic, I think any sort of realistic scenario that is um, included in, in a self-paced uh, e-learning. Those sorts of things um, really excite me because they they help me visualize what I'm trying to learn a lot better. I get it. one of the things that we have developed here, and has always been one of my favorite content types, and I, we don't get to use it as often as I wish we could. But it, we call it a product 360. But it's essentially a 3D model that. Uh, a user gets the ability to actually control the environment a little bit and spin uh, a product or uh, a device or even in some cases some marketing materials that we've done uh, and they get some control over it. And I think when you think about e-learning and wanting to have an engagement factor and interaction factor, I think being able to spin an object on its axis and see it expand, contract, whatever that might be in the environment itself, I I always think that's super cool, uh, if nothing else. Uh, and then if you add some hotspots and some some learning components too, I think it can have a really nice uh, learning interaction for you. So for me, that's that's my favorite, partially just because it has some cool factor, I think. All right, let's start our first segment. Let's let's do the fun stuff. Let's let's talk about what you should do when you are uh, building out your learning content uh, and thinking about the way this is going to reach your people. So uh, we're going to do a little countdown list today. I think Uh, we've got eight do's that we want to bring up in this first segment. Uh, So without further ado, let's start with number one. All right. Our first one is you should absolutely set your performance-based learning objectives. You've obviously heard us talk about it quite a bit, um, but that is the first thing you have to do when thinking about your content. Without any objectives uh, that that are measurable and that you can you can base your training or or your e-learning against, it's very difficult to to wage success. So please do set those performance-based learning objectives. All right, our second do for uh, e-learning development is, is be sure to add multimedia elements when they see them, 
seem like they fit. Really, this is, we've talked about this, learning preferences for your learners. Make sure you're trying to reach them in a format that they want to be reached. But also think about what's the most appropriate element uh, for the message you're trying to tell. Video won't work for everything. Audio isn't going to be the right format for others. Uh, make sure you're thinking those things through so you're trying to reach the broadest audience possible. Next on our to-do list is you should assess frequently within a course. Think about not just putting the quiz at the end, but bringing it into the actual meat and potatoes of your course throughout. Yeah, preparing your learners to, to make sure they understand that they're going to be tested, they're going to be assessed on, on, on the information that they're gaining, so they're ready and consistently uh, comfortable with that back and forth or that, uh, that knowledge check. All right, our fourth do is do create company awareness and a positive training environment. We talked company culture, but a positive training uh, environment, company culture is definitely something you want to uh, look at doing. A couple things on this are just make sure that you are communicating about your training in a positive manner, a frequent manner, a consistent manner. And then again, we've talked about it quite a bit in our episodes. Make sure that leadership has a seat throughout that learning process that you're thinking about how a leader is going to coach, train, mentor uh, in that environment so that learners are always experiencing the most positive experience possible. Our next one on our to-do list is really all about your platform. Think about making your content easy to find. On your LMS, have you thought through exactly how a user is going to arrive at your content in the moment of need? The user experience is an important part of uh, self-paced e-learning, um, just learning development in today's world, providing um, content that's easy to find in a just-in-time fashion um, is super important. Involve your leadership. We've talked about it before. Make sure you, you chat with your leadership both what their goals and objectives are and how they plan to interact with the content and the, the learners that are engaging with it. A little different than the company awareness when we talked about bringing sure leaders are brought along in that journey, but really making sure leaders understand their role, uh, make sure that they are prepared to coach, that they understand why a learner is going out. Um, they need to be really uh, part of your change management strategy as you, as you think forward, but make sure they're part of that experience and that they're bought in on it as well. When we're thinking about our next do, one of the things we want you to focus on is really investigate learner needs. This is going to be pre your need for an assessment in a lot of ways. So think about how a learner is going to use this content and what their uh, direct action is going to be out of. Yeah, we all know the the saying, the customer's always right. When you're developing, you work in L&D and, and, and you're developing an e-learning um, culture or curriculum, um, your customer is the learner. So make sure you understand what they like, what they don't like, what they're looking for, um, and how to provide that to them. And the last one uh, for our list of do's, brand your training. Uh, white background, black text, not super uh, logo in the corner, uh, not a great experience. Uh, brand your training to who you are and what your company stands for. When you think about bringing forth that positive learning culture in a lot of ways, that's going to start with having some kind of an affinity to your training as a brand. Uh, that can be, again, just color imaging, consistency. All of those are part of it. Some really interesting ones that are out there that I have, uh, we, we were doing some research on this, and there's actually uh, an organization that has built characters into 
their training content. Um, and then have made life-size cutouts of these characters and built selfie stations throughout their office where people can actually uh, get selfies with the people that are in the trainings themselves. So whatever it takes to build some energy, build some enthusiasm around your brand, have it be recognizable to the team. I think that goes a long way to selling your culture. All right. We are all about balance in our show. We want a little ying with our yang. So let's talk about, uh, we did our dues. What should you be doing in your segment? But we also have some things you should avoid. So what are the don'ts in your segment? And so we want to make sure we focus on those as well. So what are the things that might become pitfalls for you, become roadblocks that might get you uh, bound into a little bit of a corner if you aren't thinking about these things up front? So we have a list of six don'ts as well that uh, match with our dues. So without further ado, let's start with number one. Before I get into number one, I just want to make a comment on ying versus yings and yangs. Um, you know, okay. I, I, I like it. I like it, Scott. It's all right. All right. Number one, uh, don't use too much text and not enough graphics. They say a picture can speak a thousand words, uh, maybe not a thousand, but uh, the more graphics you can, you can have to explain and help tell the story that you're trying to uh, within your content. Uh, the better. When you think about things that are really good for this, uh, most of us, it's probably been a while for the majority of people, but many of us have probably flown on an airplane or ridden on public transportation, things like that. You're going to see signage that's all graphics. Uh, it's pictures of people uh, putting on their, their mask or obeying the stay seated sign or uh, whatever that might be. And those pictures can tell an entire story without ever putting text behind it. Uh, when you see a lot of text in your training uh, as a learner, you're you're automatically oh this is going to be a drain on me. If you really make good balance in those in using those graphics, images, pictures, uh, you can reduce your word count, which ultimately to a user is a little bit less of a barrier of accepting that content readily. Number two on our list of don'ts is don't rush the testing phase. Don't forget that when you have uh, content going out, you're talking about some level of QA and you need to get that user feedback. Don't make this a skipped step or something you don't emphasize. Make sure you're really thinking about testing as a part of your overall flow. Yeah. I mean, making sure it, it's not about every piece of content doesn't have to be perfect. Uh, everybody's going to have subjective opinions, but uh, it needs to be functional and you need to make sure that, that some sort of test audience uh, feels comfortable with, with the, the objectives that are occurring. <laughs> Number three, don't include extraneous content. So we talked about performance-based objectives for your learning. Um, if you have content that doesn't fit into those objectives, you should not include it uh, in your learning. We've all probably been familiar with the KISS principle. Uh, so keep it simple and then insert whatever colorful explanation you want for the second S, I guess, but uh, that you may have heard. But really, this is what it's about. When you've defined your objectives, we talk about it all the time, Stay to those objectives. Don't start to wander off the path on other topics just because you're like, oh, I'm making this. I may as well throw in a couple extra things. Ultimately, that's just a distraction for your learners. Avoid putting in that extra content just because you can. Stick to your objectives. Keep it clean. All right, for our next one, we want you to think about, we talked about using graphics, but don't use images that are irrelevant. Make sure that, again, stay to your points, uh, that you're using graphics that speak to the content you're saying. 
in a way that will be easily identifiable for learners. Using images that don't tie into the content of the objectives that you've set can become distracting or start to direct the thought process of the learner somewhere it doesn't need to be. So um, making sure that you're as relevant to the content that's on page um, is key. This one's been a popular one uh, during COVID um, and the pandemic. Don't directly transfer in-person training content to virtual um, instructor-led or other virtual type trainings. Yeah, the reality is apples to apples isn't a comparison we can make when we're taking live training to virtual. Uh, I can't imagine anything that would be more draining for me uh, emotionally, intellectually, physically than taking what would have been an eight-hour in-person class that had workshops and networking opportunities and the ability to see face-to-face and get up and stretch and all those things and trying to directly turn that into an eight-hour virtual environment of me sitting in a chair watching videos. I, we need to be cognizant that uh, it's okay to break those things up, make them smaller chunks, and really try to think of it not as a direct transfer, a lift and shift, if you will, but rather think of virtual instructor-led training as its own methodology and needs to be restructured uh, to accommodate that for our learner. All right, and for our last don't that you want to avoid, make sure that you're not thinking about e-learning or a single uh, module as the silver bullet approach that's going to catch all of your content needs. The reality is you're going to end up with really dense content if you do that. So don't think about it as a silver bullet. Yeah, too much can be exactly what it says is too much. And and you're not going to solve all your problems in one go. You're not going to hit on all your learning objectives in a single um, online training, in-person training, self-paced learning, um, making sure that you set out the curriculum and that learning path um, and journey for the learner um, is much more effective. All right. We wrap up every show with a positivity point. We hope you really enjoyed this. It was meant to be a bit of a quick hit uh, list of some do's and don'ts for your content, uh, but we want to share something positive that we're also seeing in the world. Get outside of the L&D space a little bit, something that brought us a little joy this last week, uh, and share that with you, the audience. So uh, for me, um, I think we've talked about it uh, repeatedly. I love Legos, but I also love Star Wars. I love Marvel. I love movies in general, but Star Wars in general is is definitely one of my favorite things. And uh, Daniel and I have enjoyed The Mandalorian for the first season. It was a lot of every Friday night calling each other or texting and saying, what do you think of this episode? Well, the good news is it's back. Uh, it launched again last Friday. Uh, first se- first episode of the new season, a couple cliffhangers in there, got to see some uh, kind of new storylines, go back to Tatooine, which was fun, uh, and, and see something kind of familiar there as well. So I really loved it. Uh, I wish I could get my kids to watch it with me, but they kind of petered out after like season one, episode two. So uh, this is just dad time on a Friday night. I, I, I pop it up on Disney Plus. So uh, really fun. And then, yeah, Daniel texted me within like an hour of the of the episode uh, ending that night and just was like, what'd you think? What'd you think? So uh, another fun moment for Daniel and I to, to kind of dialogue on something else that we both nerd out about a little bit. Exactly. I am... Uh... <clears throat> Pretty happy the Mandalorian's back. Um, I have two two little get happy points. The first is November first hits uh, pretty much every radio station um, in uh, Windsor Essex County where we are starts to play Christmas music. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. A lot of people call me the Grinch. Um, I think that Christmas music should only be played on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and in Canada Boxing Day, three days a year, more than enough. But but and in case you you guys can't see anything, but Sabrina's very upset right now. Uh, with what I just said. Um, 
it brings everyone else so much joy. So I am happy it's here because everyone is so happy. Just, you know, I don't choose to play it, but Chris music's here. And my other uh, get happy point. So I'm, I'm all, I don't watch a ton of TV, obviously Mandalorian being something, but I love good, a nice sitcom that's comedic. So my wife and I have gone back in and dabbled and we started over new girl. And honestly, I don't, there is the office, modern family and new girl that like are shows that make me laugh out loud every single episode. So if you haven't watched it, I would just advise go back. But the fact that we're diving in, I mean, we're at episode like six of season one right now and it's just fantastic. So <laughs> it's been great. So I have to say, I'm, I'm with you on the Christmas music to a degree, but I, I probably come from a bit of a different place. Number one, I, I, I allow it after Thanksgiving. Look, number one, I'm, I'm let's do one holiday at a time. So American Thanksgiving, once that hits, Valid. Then That's I'm, a valid point. Then I'm fine. But I don't want it now because we still have one holiday in between there. Uh, but for me, it, honestly, it comes from working in retail for so long. Oh, uh, yeah. I have a bit of PTSD when it comes to Christmas uh, music because it does typically start right, right after Halloween and it plays on the overhead speaker all day, every day during an eight hour shift, 40 and hours a week. And, and you realize that a radio station only plays the same 10 Christmas songs or 15 it, it, Christmas songs and then they start over again. Well, and that's look. That's the problem with radio in general. That's a, that we can talk about that topic in general on another episode. How radio just kills music in general. But um, yeah, so for me, it's all about uh, a little PTSD from my retail days that I am a little uncomfortable with uh, Christmas music because it it was always chaos and stress, uh, long hours and everything else. But I will admit, as I've been out of the retail sector for a while, uh, it is growing back on me. My kids enjoy it, so it's it's coming back. But let's wait till Thanksgiving, right? All right, that will do it for us today. I'm Scott Babcock. He's Daniel Mendoza, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Join the conversation by emailing us at podcast at haylight.com. Find us on social media at Build It, Learn It, and be sure to check us out on the web at www.haylight.com. That's H-A-L-I-G-H-T dot com.